following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to Ye Old Program, episode 810 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. It is July 6th, 2022. The which, year of our Lord. Which means it is one year mm. since Popeye died. Yeah. Can you believe that? One year. It's it's bananas. One year. Yeah. Popeye, of course, is our uh, former bulldog. Sweepy is our current bulldog. Sweepy named in honor of Popeye. And for those who weren't with us when we had Popeye, we got him from SoCal Bulldog Rescue when he was like seven years old. Yeah, seven. And he made it to nine and a half years old. And it was it was rough when, when he died. We did have time to uh, adjust to it because we got his diagnosis. And then it was... May 28th. Uh, over a month, Yeah, obviously. So May 28th was when we got his diagnosis. And then he um, died on the 6th of July. So... We had some time to process that, and it was rough, though. I mean, still, we will talk about Popeye and cry, even yeah. though it's been a year. and Even though we have another dog. Even though we have Sweepy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it is. I think we've talked about this, certainly privately and probably on the podcast, that there have been, there's been kind of a replacement. In the beginning, it was just tears and just sadness and just like loneliness mm-hmm. and that has been kind of replaced with joyous memories and remembrances especially these days when she does the same kind of things yeah yeah like sitting at my feet in the kitchen and mm-hmm. it's it's nice it's it's a nice reminder Thanks a lot, Brittany Page. <laughs> <laughs> well, in it, I wrote a a note after um, Popeye died because I wanted to remember specific things about him, and it's saved in my phone. And I shared it with you last yeah, night. Yeah, so glad you did. Just that. this list of things that he did that I thought were so funny that I just wouldn't want to forget. And going through the list, it was funny to reflect on how many of those things Sweepy does. Yeah. (laughs) Including, by the way, uh, exhibiting similar, like, health problems that he did, which I feel like is just, like, designed to torture me. Like, she vomited the other day and, like, fell over backwards because she couldn't get the vomit out of her throat. Um, we think she got like a, a hot pepper possibly that was on the ground yeah. or a hot chip, a hot chip. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's these Pocky, not the one chip challenge chips, but like a quite a few steps down They're haunted ghost pepper flavor and they're hot. Yeah. And, and I, I found a chunk of one. Yeah. And I dropped one on the floor. Yeah. And apparently she and her racing fervor 
to eat whatever she can scoop up off the floor. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, she's okay. She's totally fine. But that was something that Popeye did. He yeah. puked and he collapsed in the yard, and, and that was before we got his diagnosis. So whenever she does something like that, I'm like, what is this? Do yeah. not do this to me again. <laughs> but I read an article recently that was a reflection on dogs, and they really are just remarkable creatures you know i think about sweepy and how we took her from her family and she was just eight weeks old like five pounds it was all she had ever known was her mom and her siblings and we ripped her from pennsylvania and we took her here (laughs) we absconded to the nation's capital and she immediately immediately was comforted by us and just fell in it's like stockholm syndrome (laughs) (laughs) she's like patty hearst yeah but uh i know we're the symbian liberation army i know some people get annoyed by all the dog talk because they are not dog people and i get it because that used to be me i used to laugh at people who like talked about them like they were their kids and now i take photos of sweet pea to document her weekly uh changes as she grows up and put them online so (laughs) i am now that person and I'm I'm not ashamed, but it's Popeye. It's Popeye that led me led me there. So yeah, one year anniversary of his death, and it's going to be a day that we spend talking about him and remembering him and everything that he was. He meant a lot to us. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's get to some listener communication. Let's do that. Hi, this is Jessica from Seattle, Washington. I grew up conservative Christian. If there's such a thing as borderline fundamentalist, maybe that's what I was. Homeschooled, whole nine yards. Um, And I remember growing up, going to pro-life rallies, standing, holding hands across America. Um, And then I remember growing up and still believing that abortion was wrong and not understanding the issue. And then I went and saw a play called Roe. And it was a retelling of the actual people involved in that story. And I sat at intermission and I burst into tears. When I realized the harm that I'd done with my beliefs with attending those rallies and it completely changed my worldview and since then I've been sitting in this space of wondering what to do next and and I'm hopeful that speaking up is something I can do Um, I'm hopeful that raising children that see the world in a different way than I did Um, being a teacher I'm hoping that's having the impact that I want it to have anyway thank you both for all that you do thank you for helping me continue to change my worldview to grow and to learn Um, I truly am just so thankful for this community and the real change it has brought to my life what a touching uh, voicemail, Very Jessica. Much. Very and much. for the audience's edification, 
We didn't edit that that way. Yes. That was from Jessica that way. Yes. I, I think a lot of times people, they get in the in the spirit of their voicemail and they get swept up by emotion and they just, they can't wrap it. And she just tacked on the, the last part of that. Uh, this brings to mind the same kind of thoughts I've had about my past in fundamentalist. And yes, <laughs> there is fundamentalist evangelical Christianity. Um, I think pretty often about some of the th- terrible shit that has come out of my mouth about abortion, about uh, gays. And I've gone through the same struggle of, of I hope that I've made up for some of the, the harm that I caused by the hateful shit that I used to say. Now, luckily, uh, we have this platform, and I have championed um, equality for marginalized groups for decades now. I mean, we're talking about decades ago that I was uh, just a, a piece of shit Christian who said terrible things and had horrible, pernicious beliefs. But I think that just the fact, Jessica, that you are, and I don't know if you're looking for advice here, but here it is, I think just the fact that you are giving these this space to these ideas of am I doing enough probably means you're doing enough. It mm-hmm. probably means that the good that you've contributed to the world has outweighed any negative that you put put out there. Mm-hmm. And further, it's and this is just a, just praise of Jessica of how wonderful a person she is to be that introspective and that mm-hmm. open to new ideas and not so just batten down and recalcitrant in her Christianity and her beliefs and her bigotry that a play was able to move her to the point where she she felt regret. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just amazing. Yeah, I was going to say that it's meaningful even just to admit that views that you once held were damaging and wrong and to be able to communicate that openly because a lot of people are afraid to do that. They think that it somehow means like it's an indictment of who they are currently because they were this way in the past. And we've all done and said things in the past that we wish we didn't, that we wish we could change. And I think admitting it and then working to correct it and and improve upon the person that you were, that that's really important work. And also good modeling for other people to find the space to do that themselves. That, that right there, that in and of itself, just the modeling good behavior could be enough. If you can change someone's way of being, like, oh, well, Jessica's awesome. She was able to do that. She comes from the same thing as me. Uh, maybe I'll try that on for size. Yeah, and especially with Jessica's role as a teacher, I mean, what a great place to hold the views that Jessica does and to be the person that Jessica is because in that role, you are able to shape young hearts and minds and help them kind of facilitate those those changes early on. Yeah, l- listen, there's a... There's I'm a, talking about indoctrinating kids there's school, a very, in case you're not. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very famous secular poem that comes to mind that I think uh, the audience would 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 be well to know it's 
this little light of mine, <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. Mm. This Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to, I mean, I'm obviously I'm being a dickhole, but th- some of these things we can borrow from Christianity. And if you live your life right and you're, you're, you're an example to others in the way that, w- that we're talking about with this secular nature and, and being um, supportive of women's rights and gay rights, Living that way is an example to others. And if you're a good person to boot, it's even more convincing. So, Jessica, to you, don't hide it under a bushel, girl. (laughs) Let it shine. Well, and also, this is why we ask at the end of our interviews, what's the latest thing that you've changed your mind about? Because we hope that as we all continue to learn and grow, that there are changes that we're making and that we are learning and becoming better over time. I mean, that's the whole goal. We certainly don't have things figured out on this show. And no. you can listen to previous episodes for evidence of that. Do not. But that's why we're so grateful for people like Jessica, because like she talked about uh, learning from our show and, and helping to keep an open mind or change her mind, like the, the listeners help us do that too. Absolutely. So keep being you, Jessica. Um, there is no shame in that. You are fucking fantastic, and we appreciate you very much. All right, moving on. Uh, this caller, uh, we know who they are. They did not leave their name um, in the voice memo. We know who it came from, though, so we're anonymous. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. Um, I don't know if I'm calling for advice as much as I am maybe some consoling. Um, In light of the growing certainty that uh, more V. Harper is going to be uh, overturned on top of everything else that's going on right now. I just uh, feel such a overwhelming sense of hopelessness. Um, Like every time I do things to perpetuate normal life, I feel miserable. Because it seems like what's the point? And I've had that feeling before, um, but it's always been artificial. You know, there's not been an outside source to cause those emotions. Uh, But the fact that it is currently being fueled by real, actual, happening, current world events makes it that much more debilitating. So I guess my question is, what do we do? What do we do? Or at the very least, how do we help each other keep our heads above water? Because I feel like I'm drowning. Anyways, I love you guys. Love the show. Thank you for listening. I don't think you're alone. I think there's a lot of people out there who are feeling this exact way. 
even as intensely. So one, know that people are sharing in your angst, in your uncertainty, in your sorrow. But, you know, to, to take on and, and put the, to carry the mantle of the optimist here, which is often my role, I would say this, we have no other choice but to fight. We have no other choice but to persevere, to persist in our resistance. Because otherwise, it means absolute, unequivocal, guaranteed defeat if we surrender. Now, the case that was mentioned, Moore versus Harper, is a case that is um, coming out of North Carolina that the Supreme Court has agreed to hear. They'll hear the case in October, and then again in June, July next year, we'll, we'll know the outcome likely. And it's, it surrounds voting rights. It, it surrounds whether or not the, the North Carolina legislature can just disregard the will of the people and choose voting districts and, and a number of other things. And it doesn't bode well, given this court's predilection for fascism for anti-democratic principles. But all that means is, even if we don't have the energy, we must press on electorally to vote in a, the, the, the lesser of the two evil parties. Are Democrats perfect? Fuck no. Are they fucked up in a lot of ways? Yes. But they are not attempting to to endeavor at the destruction of our very foundations of democracy like the Republican Party is. They are not trying to instill in America a Christo-fascist state. They are not trying to, not even subtly, blend church and state unlike in a manner unlike we've never seen before. So Democrats, not perfect, not great, but they're the best we got. And if we don't work our asses off, the Republicans will win, and we're fucked. There is no space for any um, optimism. So the question from Anonymous there was, how do we help each other keep our heads above water? And there's a few things that I heard in the voice memo. Uh, One was that previous instances of anonymous feeling this hopelessness have typically not been as a result of an outside source or an external factor but right now it is it's real world events and it seems like for anonymous that's making it a lot more difficult to cope because it's actual real world things that i'm assuming anonymous feels as though they don't have very much control over And so I think that's a good place to start. You know, we can't really be helpful to other people when like we ourselves are suffering under the weight of extreme hopelessness. Sure. And it's kind of like putting that oxygen mask on yourself before you help someone else on the airplane is if you're feeling this suffocated, like you're drowning in water because you feel so hopeless about the state of the world, I think it's important to take a step back and start thinking about like, what you can control versus what you can't control and what gives your life meaning. What are some things that help you feel fulfilled and happy and joy? 
those are things that we cannot forget about in the midst of all of this terror and chaos and, I mean, just endless depressing events that we have going on right now. Yeah, I think what I was getting at, clumsily for sure, is maybe uh, a real simplistic way of saying busy yourself. If you throw yourself into the fight, that will occupy you and you won't have time for sorrow. Maybe that's kind of a dumb fuck way of saying, uh, you know what I mean? Well, and I... Because what you're saying right now is just like, oh yeah, you should have gone first. (laughs) Well, and I mean, Anonymous was, again, unsure of whether or not they were even asking for advice. So it's not like we're dispensing advice right now because we often feel the same way. So I think I'm coming from a place of what do I do? And I try to focus on what are the things I can't control? What can I control? Yeah. What gives my life meaning? What are some of those things that I can do? How can I make time every day to ensure that I'm engaging with something that is meaningful to me and can create those moments of joy so that I'm not just bombarded with negativity and negativity in the news? But I also think it's interesting that we played Jessica's voicemail before this one because when we're looking at this question of how do we help each other keep our heads above water... It's people like Jessica. It's people like Anonymous. Like we have an audience full of people who care a lot about the state of the world, about politics, about policy, about how to make people's lives better. And about one another. And about one another. And that can be, that's a lot to carry all the time. And so that's why it is important to kind of check in with yourself, make sure you're taking care of yourself And then go back out into the world and do that good. And Jessica is like evidence of someone that is like a good person who's really worried about these things. So is Anonymous. So I think it's taking care of ourselves in a way that allows us to go into the world and do this work. You know, when we're thinking about the Supreme Court making these decisions, we just we don't have control over that at Mm -hmm. all. And so it's about. What are the things we can control in our local politics, in our own families, in our friend groups? What can we do in those small moments? Again, someone like Jessica changing her mind with the evidence. What can we do to help facilitate those little moments? And I think that that's a, an important thing, too. And, and caller, anonymous, if you, if you, if you have a, a, like an in-person friend group that you can reach out to and, and commiserate with, Right. Lean on somebody to say, hey, listen, I'm having a real hard time right now. Can we hang out this weekend? Community. Yeah. Community is so important. Lean on, even if it's an online community. Right. If you don't have an in-person friend group. I mean, the the Dollamore listener group on Facebook is filled to the brim with people who would love nothing more than to help out someone in distress. Right. Yeah. And I, I say that having not checked in with anybody, but I fucking know this audience and the community that is built up around the show. So there's a lot of caring, loving people. Uh, hang in there, without a doubt. And also, we would invite the audience to weigh in on this. How do we help each other keep our heads above water? That's the central question. How are you helping yourself keep your head above water? How are you helping other people? What is that like for you? 657-464-7609 or I doubt it at dollamore.com. All right, moving on. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. 
Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Anastasia H. Anastasia H. Kidge. Kidge. Which may not be the pronunciation. Remember, you can, you can always write us and correct our dumbness. In fact, it's encouraged. So, <laughs> Well, we do have a phone number and an email address that we publicly advertise. So. Exactly. Continuing with the new Patreon supporters, Steph. Steph. Isaac M. Isaac M. And then we want to give a special shout out to Mary T.H. Mary T.H. Mary T.H. became an annual Patreon supporter, which again is an option for you if you would like to do an annual membership. You get 10% off of your Patreon price, but you still get all of the membership benefits associated with whichever tier you choose. We don't discount the perks. We don't like, we don't like cut 10% of the magnet off and yeah. then only mail you that much correct fucking terrible i'm terrible why do why do you allow me to do this well continue it's just continue. the fucking you're worst. doing great you're doing great anyway we love you guys we appreciate all your support um the other way you can do it is uh go to dollamore.info that'll redirect you to the merch store we've got podcast logo t-shirts we've got the be genuine and take care of one another shirts uh, from the, the the line that i use on youtube all the time We've got uh, Fight Poverty, Not the Poor. Poverty is the public policy choice. We've got all kinds of merch that you can rep while supporting the show. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you very much. You're the best. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we had a... Mass shooting on Independence Day. A lot of commentary online about how that is very... On brand. Correct, for the country. And it was in Highland Park, Illinois. We now know who the suspect is. I read a report today that he has confessed to the crime, that he has been charged with seven counts of first-degree murder. An eighth person just died, so they're going to be adding additional charges and he and there will that's probably just to get him in the system there will likely be attempted murder charges on every single person who was wounded as well right and so we are starting to learn more about who this person is how he had planned this for weeks in advance a little about his family and his history with being mixed up in the the criminal justice system seven people are now confirmed dead after another victim died in the hospital today the identified victims range in age from 35 to 88 years old. Haunting images from the scene of the mass shooting show abandoned camp chairs, baby strollers, American flags, and a child's tricycle in the middle of all the carnage. A 4th of July parade turned into a sniper's killing field. Just minutes ago, the county prosecutor announced the suspect is now charged with seven counts of first-degree murder, he faces mandatory life in prison if convicted. We have news team coverage beginning with CBC's Perry Russum live on the ground in Highland Park tonight. Perry. 
Shep, and people were clapping when those charges were finally announced. It was a sense of relief after an incredibly stressful last day. The scene behind us is frozen in time. People leaving everything behind, really. Strollers, chairs, water coolers, just leaving everything and then running for their lives. Police say the shooter is talking, but they do not have a motive. Had I gone and zigged instead of zagged, you know, who knows what would have happened for our or my kids. Jeremy Siegel says he was across the street from the shooter, watching the parade with his wife and children. And I saw a man get hit. He was hit in the head. I mean, I have no doubt that he was not making it. Um, I, I can't kind of unsee. I, I keep re-seeing it you know, in my head. Investigators say when the shooter was done, he dropped his gun, climbed off the roof, and blended into the crowd. We're very certain that there was a female witness who saw Cremo drop an object inside of a red blanket behind Ross's at 625 Central Avenue immediately following the shooting. We've not been able to identify this witness yet. The suspect's identity online reveals posts about murder, suicide, and death. In a video posted on YouTube eight months ago, images of mass shootings. We were not made aware of these videos. Police say in April of 2019, they were called after the shooter tried to kill himself. Police say they were called again months later, where a family member reported the shooter saying he was going to kill everyone in his family. Police removed knives, a dagger, and sword from his home. He was not arrested. Police can't make an arrest unless there is probable cause to make an arrest or somebody is willing to sign complaints regarding the arrest. Police say after the knives were taken, the shooter started collecting guns, buying five guns legally in the Chicago area in 2020 and 2021. What do you hope happens to him with everything that he's done to people in your community and what he's done to you? I'm not a believer that there's kind of justice for something like this. I mean, he he did what he set out to do, and I think we all are damaged and lost by that. Police say the shooter drove all the way to Madison, Wisconsin. That's about two and a half hours away from where we are. He then drove back and was arrested about 10 minutes from where we are right now. I, I think the person that they interviewed, I mean, these... These traumas are so fresh when they're talking to these people that it it just I think it would be very difficult to yeah. talk to these people on the street that survived the shooting. Pretty profound thing that he was able to articulate. I, I liked everything that he said. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of has like this very existential approach to how he's talking about it, where he's, you know, like if I had zigged instead of zagged, it would have been me, you know. Yeah. Um but also talking about how he can't get the images out of his head. I mean, it's it's the death is right there. You know, it could have been you. It could have been the person that you were there with that you care about. Um, it It's just, it's wild. Um, horrifying. And this this guy that, that did the shooting, he had those two instances with the police that they, that they referenced in the news package there with Shep. The first was in April 2019 when they received a call that he had attempted suicide. And then in September 2019, a family member called the Highland Park Police and reported that he was saying he was going to kill everyone and that he had a collection of weapons. And they they talked about that in there. At that time, the Highland Park Police confiscated 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword. Right. Uh, but because, again, the family was not willing to sign complaints against him, they did not arrest him. So afterward, the Highland Park Police notified Illinois State Police of the incident with a clear and present danger report. 
But because the suspect did not have a FOID card, a firearm owner's identification card that is issued by the Illinois State Police, and it's something, I guess, that's required for gun ownership. There was nothing to revoke. Right. Or then there wasn't an application to deny. So basically the state police said, like, our involvement with this matter is yeah. concluded at this point. See, that's a loophole. That's 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 something that needs to be closed. Especially when just three months later, he then applied for that card and his application was sponsored by his father. Right. And then approved by the state police in January 2020. So you have someone who in September 2019 is threatening to kill everyone and has this arsenal of weapons. And themselves. And then three months later, he's applying for the card and it's eventually approved by the state police. I mean, yeah. come on. And... The videos. See, this is preventable. Right. And the videos online. Let's talk about that because this is wild. So, Jesse, you saw an interview with the suspect's uncle. I, I guess he lived with his dad and his uncle. Yeah. And we were watching an interview with the uncle. And the uncle was trying to create some distance between himself yeah, and the yeah. suspect. Do you want to speak to your impressions? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were just asking, what do you have to say to the victims? You know, it's the same kind of clickbaity type of questions that you that that these journalists asked Mm -hmm. and he did all the my heart goes out to them all the stuff and think well was there any signs of anything oh no nope nope never and then after directly after answering that question well you know but i really didn't really know him you know we didn't he lived upstairs even though it's the same house whatever i don't know and in the moment i looked to you and said this guy's lying Mm-hmm. It's clear he's awkward and 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 trying to 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 cover his own ass from any culpability of knowledge of the danger that his nephew was. Right. It was pretty clear to me he was lying, and now we find out all of these details that absolutely the family did know that he was threatening to kill them, all of them threatening to kill himself. It's information that there's no way the uncle didn't know, having lived with this man. Right. In the same home. Absolutely, yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about those posts online. They took these down rapidly. At one point, I was seeing uh, links to his YouTube videos, and then they were taken down before I could even click on them. One thing I was able to watch was a video that he had uploaded to Vimeo. Yeah. And it was very disturbing. It was a produced, edited mashup of like a video of him sitting down with these animated images of bloody bodies and someone shooting with a gun. And like like they said in this news package that he was posting about mass shootings. He was posting about death. And it makes you wonder, like, who who was seeing these posts? W- mm-hmm. Were they just going out online and no one was seeing them? No one was watching them? Was his family watching them? Because they, they seem to be aware of some of his activities and some of his thoughts and motivations. Were they aware of this? And it's unfortunate that because of the policies in this country, it is left up to individuals collectively to band together to try to watch other people and report other people when things like this happen. Right. Because the policies that are in place allow someone like this to go out and buy five guns. Well, because one of our two major uh, political parties is fighting tooth and nail for this man's right to own that gun. The Republican Party will stop at nothing to ensure that this person 
can own whatever weapons they want. Right. Up to and including weapons of war, like an AR-15 style assault rifle. Right. So at the time, he was 19 when he applied for that card to get the gun, when his application was sponsored by his father, and then it was approved by state police in January 2020. Later that year, he passed three background checks to purchase guns. He passed a fourth check on September 20th, 2021, which was his 21st birthday. And a statement has been released from the Illinois State Police directly addressing questions about why this clear and present danger report did not prevent him from obtaining the card to get a weapon. Uh, and, And they said, quote, the report indicates that when police went to the home and asked the individual if he felt like harming himself or others, he responded no. No one, including family, was willing to move forward on a complaint, nor did they subsequently provide information on threats or mental health that would have allowed law enforcement to take additional action and this is the 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 exact kind of a moment that we're talking about here that republicans always say oh nothing that nothing we could have done would have stopped this well now we know what we could have done now we know what to do moving forward to close this particular loophole Mm -hmm. make it impossible for someone or at least very difficult for someone to get a weapon who had the cops called in them for these types of instances right. give give the, the the mental health system more latitude to have him involuntarily held now these are sticky situations because we're talking about civil rights but if we're able to save the lives of these eight people and dozens others who are injured isn't it worth at least the shot at it to, to formulate, and I'm not proposing policy here at a granular level, just we could take swipes at some of these loopholes and rewrite the system in a way that there are checks and balances along the way to protect civil rights, but also protect the civil rights of people who are no longer alive to have civil rights. Well, it's it's strange to me that the policy would be the local police agency refers a clear and present danger report to the state police agency and the state police agency can't do anything with it because there's not currently in uh, a firearm owner's identification card issued and there's not a, an application to deny him. So you could have prevented something from happening possibly by revoking that card by denying an application like if he had already had it then you could take it away but you can't then use that report to prevent him right, from accessing it you, it doesn't make any sense there's there should be a red flag system in exactly place exactly where a future application nope sorry you would have been denied an application and your card would have been revoked therefore you don't get one in the future Right, you have a... That's all you have to do. Yes, you have a clear and present danger report on your file because you threatened to kill your entire family and had 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword. So, no, you don't get to have additional weapons in your possession. Weapons of mass destruction. It seems pretty pretty clear in this case. And this is what they try to do, the Republicans. They try to say, well, these policies that you're putting forth wouldn't have actually prevented this one. Right. (laughs) Well, what about... This this one, this one that yeah. we're talking about, where you can't talk about doors, you can't talk about what else do they talk about? Things that that aren't relevant. Now they're trying to blame Good guy weed. With the gun thing. Oh yeah, Laura Ingram's thing. trying to blame weed. Well, David Pakman tweeted the other day. It was something along the lines of, at what point? What is going to cause? What's going to be the tipping point for Republicans? 
Is it going to be when 50 people die, 100 people die in an instant, 500 people die? What's going to be the moment that Republicans like, oh, shit, we better do something? Mm -hmm. And I don't know that they listen, after Vegas, Vegas is kind of my moment when I was like, yeah, I'm I'm really turning a corner on on the gun rights thing. Mm -hmm. I, I still believe that we do have a fundamental constitutional right to own weapons, but but the, I was I was kind of opposed to a ban on AR-15s, and that changed it for me. Mm -hmm. I don't believe there is a moment for Republicans because their pockets are being lined with millions of dollars in gun lobby money, and they're able to not look at the carnage. They're able to ignore the very real human toll that we're witnessing. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think uh, about all of this. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Another gun-related story, this time at the hands of police, is uh, the Ohio case of Jalen Walker. We begin with Maggie Vespa and a warning. There are disturbing images. Nearly one week after Jalen Walker's death and facing growing community pressure, officials in Akron, Ohio, releasing the body camera footage. I won't mince words. The video you're about to watch is heartbreaking. It shows a harrowing police chase followed by a stunning hail of bullets. An estimated 90 rounds fired by eight Akron, Ohio officers, killing and leaving 25-year-old Jalen Walker with 60 wounds to the body, according to authorities. My youngest is 25 years of age as well, and I cannot imagine what life would be like without my son. The approximately seven minutes of raw video released alongside a second narrated clip gives new insight into what preceded the shooting early Monday morning. Police say they tried to pull Walker over for an unspecified traffic violation and an equipment violation, which is not shown on tape. But they say he took off driving at high speeds and Walker fired at them. Police saying you can see the flash from the gun from the security camera. 21 shots fired that shot is fired. That changes the nature of the contact. Authorities say Walker later ran from his car wearing a ski mask. Officers investigators say fired tasers but missed. What followed? That deadly barrage of bullets. Police tonight saying officers said they thought Walker was turning toward them, reaching for a gun. Walker was unarmed when he was shot, though police say they found a gun and what appears to be a wedding ring in Walker's car. Anger in Akron boiling over. We have sons ourselves. It could be any of our sons. And this is just horrible. Like, that many times? We are done dying like this. In this manner, with this fate. Nobody should ever suffer the fate that Jalen Walker did. Tonight, the family revealing just a month ago, Walker lost his fiance. Well, we know that immediately after the death of his fiance, he was sad, but he wasn't exhibiting any kind of behavior that scared the family. The family's attorneys say the 25-year-old food delivery driver had no criminal record. His mother and sister pleading for peace, overwhelmed with loss. Why? Why did this happen in, in such a manner, such a terrible, terrible way? Just why? 
And Maggie joins me now. Maggie, what do we know about the eight officers involved in the shooting? Have they been placed on leave? Kate, they have. Those eight officers who remain unnamed at this point were placed on paid administrative leave, which we're told is standard procedure, according to Akron PD. At the same time, officials say those officers have yet to be interviewed about the shooting, but the police union here saying they absolutely plan to cooperate. Also tonight, an outside state agency is handling the independent investigation into this shooting. And as you saw, a community is demanding answers. Kate. They plan to cooperate. You can't believe anything the police say. I mean, that's fundamentally the problem here. And even on the footage in that news package, when they circle what they say is the flash from gunfire from the moving vehicle, it looks like a headlight. I I mean, you can't discern whether or not it's a headlight or flash from a gun. They lie. They lie. You can't believe what they're saying. This is someone that they were pulling over for an unspecified violation. Right, that wasn't, but it wasn't on camera, that part of it. Ugh, how coincidental. Right, he had recently lost his fiance, so maybe he's going through a difficult time. And no, no record. Right, no unarmed. record. Running away. And let's compare how many rounds were fired. So they estimated that 90 rounds were fired yeah. and that he was shot 60 times. They're estimating in the Highland Park shooting that he fired 70 rounds. Yeah. So these cops shot more rounds at one person than the shooter in in Highland Park, Illinois, rained down on a parade of people. More than 11 rounds apiece. Eight cops, 90 rounds. They hit him 60 times. And the, the gunfire from the police lasted seven seconds with gunshots continuing even after he fell to the ground. So they were continuing to shoot him. And then, and then, by the way, they cuffed his dead body. They put handcuffs so when his corpse arrived at the coroner's office, it was cuffed. If moments like these do not radicalize you, I don't know what will. It is an egregious amount of, of, of just disregard for human life that these cops who get all whipped up into some kind of a fucking vigilante fury and gun down an unarmed man. I mean, the Highland Park shooter was taken into custody unharmed. Unharmed. And this guy with no record and unarmed is shot 60 times. Well, and this seems to be, well, number one, cops aren't learning anything. I mean, that's really the message here is the cops are not learning anything from all of the prominent news stories about unarmed black men being killed in the street. They're not learning anything. The trainings aren't improving. All of the things that they talk about, right? The problems that can be fixed. We just need to train them better. We need to do this. We need to do that. It's just a couple of bad apples. They're not learning anything. And also, aren't cops like taught to neutralize a threat and then like reassess the threat and whether or not it's someone is continuing to be a threat? Isn't that what they're taught to do? Because this seems like flat out, killing yeah a man well it, it's it, it, a lot of cops go into it for the action of it 
I knew a guy who was a cop in like Sun Valley, Idaho, Ketchum, Idaho, who moved to the Nampa Police Department, which is a suburb of Boise, Idaho, because, oh, it's more action. He gets to see more action. That shouldn't be the goal of a cop. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't want to be a badass who's in combat. Yeah, I recently saw a TikTok of a female police officer and she's like shaking her head, looking in the camera and saying, you don't want to talk to that one. She's going to make this situation worse. Just stick with me. And it's, and then someone did a stitch with it and they cut to saying there shouldn't even be a cop that makes a situation worse that right. you need to protect the public from. Yeah. Sums it up pretty well. Right. What are you doing about that? What are you doing about your coworker who makes situations worse in a very dangerous, conflict-heavy environment? It is. We need to reimagine policing in the United States. And it's, it is high time. It's long overdue to do so. Well, and when I was talking about neutralizing a threat and reassessing whether or not something is continuing to be a threat, obviously someone running away from you is not a threat. Yeah. So that in and of itself is a problem. Also, a traffic stop where you you know what the plate is, you know where the car is registered, you know who the person is. Right. It, it is, it's not, and when you say neutralizing a threat, you mean de-escalating. Yes. A, a, situ- a situation of tension. Right. That's just not in their DNA. I mean, it's, we're at a breaking point here in America with police, and we have been for a long time. And politicians had better get off their asses. And Joe Biden had better stop saying, no, more police, more police funding. Where the fuck is that getting us? Gross. Anyway, we'd love your thoughts, uh, especially if you're from uh, Akron or the Ohio area. Uh, I'm sure you have opinions about this. 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right. In other more political news, uh, the January 6th committee is continuing. Their next hearing is coming up here in uh, just a few days. July 12th at 10 a.m. And Liz Cheney was on the the Sunday show, a Sunday show with Jonathan Carl this week, uh, this weekend, and talking about a possible criminal referral that the House committee will make to the DOJ, which up to this point is really sitting on its hands and not acting in an aggressive manner to chase down the orbit of criminals around Donald Trump who actively attempted to overthrow the United States government by way of overturning a free and fair election. And she spoke candidly with Jonathan Carl about that very prospect of forwarding a criminal complaint, a referral, to the Justice Department after their investigation has completed. You've been cleared since really January 6th itself that he bears responsibility. Have these hearings demonstrated that Donald Trump needs to be prosecuted? Ultimately, the Justice Department will decide that. Mm -hmm. I think um, we may well as a committee have a view on that. If you just think about it from the perspective of what kind of man uh, knows that a mob is armed and sends the mob to attack the Capitol um, and further incites that mob um, when his own vice president is under threat, when the Congress is under threat. It's, um, it's just it's very chilling. And, and I think certainly we will 
um, you know, continue to present to the American people what we found. So the, the committee will or will not make a criminal referral? That... We'll make a decision as a committee about it. So um, it's possible there will be a criminal referral, which yes. would be effectively the committee saying that he should be prosecuted, and this is the I evidence mean, that we've... Under- the Justice Department doesn't have to wait for the committee to make a criminal referral, uh, and there could be more than one criminal referral. Are you worried about what that means for the country to be to see a former president prosecuted, a former president who is a likely candidate, who may in fact be running for president against Biden? It would be Biden's Justice Department that would be prosecuting. I have greater concern about what it would mean um, if, if people weren't held accountable for what's happened here. I, I think it's a much graver constitutional threat if a president can engage in these kinds of activities and um, you know the majority of, of the president's party looks away uh, or we as a country decide you know we're not actually going to take our constitutional obligations seriously. I think that's a much a much more serious threat. I think that's a great answer and I this is something that's concerning me is Donald Trump according to reporting is wanting to announce his run for president this Jump month. Jump the gun. Do it early. Yeah. yeah. And I am concerned that it is specifically for that reason of the optics of quote unquote Biden's DOJ coming after Donald Trump and right. him being able to gin up support in his base you know, increase the level of excitement and drama surrounding his candidacy for president. That I think is the most concerning thing right now. And we have an administration and the administration's department of justice, department of justice, which really is, is, is moving at a snail's pace. No one is asking them to, to act irresponsibly and in some slapshod, insane, fast manner to, 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 to get this done. But it's been a year, over a year and a half, and they've done really nothing, where yesterday it was announced by the, uh, the New York Times reported on it, Fannie Willis, the district attorney of Fulton County in Georgia, subpoenaed Lindsey Graham, John Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, um, Jenna Ellis, several others in the Trump orbit. They've already been subpoenaed by the grand jury there. A a district attorney's office with finite resources, especially compared to the United States Department of Justice. So we're relying upon a, a single district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, to do the work that Merrick Garland should be fucking doing. Yeah. It is, it's, it's abdication of his duty. Yeah. Without a doubt. Well, in this conversation that Liz Cheney had with Jonathan Carl, I was wildly disappointed with Jonathan Carl's performance. <laughs> Even there at the end, that last question. That last What's question. What's that going to look like? Yes. But also, it gets worse. This is a direct quote. I will do everything I can to, to make sure he's not the nominee. Uh, and, uh, you know, everything necessary to make sure that uh, he never gets anywhere close to the Oval Office again. Have these hearings gotten you closer to that goal? making him toxic and and not a viable candidate. That's not the goal of the hearings. Um, But you said it was your your priority. I think it's important, but I don't want you to convey the impression that somehow the hearings are are political. Um, Because the, the goal of the hearings is to make sure that the American people understand what happened. Um, 
to help inform legislation, legislation, legislative changes that we might need to make. Um, but I, I think it's also the case that that there's not a single thing that I have learned as we have been involved in this investigation that has made me less concerned. Um, and I think there's there's no question. I mean, a, a man as dangerous as Donald Trump um, can absolutely never be anywhere near the Oval Office ever again. Does Jonathan Carl also want to ask Liz Cheney about Hillary's emails or? I mean, it, it is, well, kind of looks like you're targeting him. Right. Well, why are you targeting him to not get the nomination? Well, maybe because he tried to uh, conduct a coup on the American government, Jonathan Carl. Right. He's like, so have you moved closer to that goal of making him a toxic figure? Of uh, making him toxic? <laughs> yeah, I think Donald Trump does a pretty good goddamn job of making himself toxic. He doesn't need Liz Cheney or the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection. This was just a wild choice. And it, are journalists really going to make this mistake again? Oh, are we yeah. going to give Donald Trump a pass again? They're going to both sides this fucking thing to death. This is not... Things are not looking good if this is what we're facing. I mean, he flashes back to uh, May 2021, Liz Cheney talking about one of her her goals in making sure that Donald Trump is not allowed to hold office again. That That is one of the goals that she has, but it's not because of a personal vendetta. It's not because she finds him... Uh, to be a terrible person just because he's a douche. She actually understands that he tried to overthrow the government and stay in power when he was not elected president. Yeah, he dispatched an armed mob to the Capitol with the express intent of overthrowing the United States government and possibly assassinating his own vice president. Of course you don't want him to be the fucking nominee, Jonathan Carl. And that seems like the toxic part so we'll stick Ugh. with that anyway we're Don't- gonna keep following this uh, uh, every every hearing for me is obviously a more more and more illuminating but also gets better and better with the information that we're learning because it's it's painting a very fulsome picture of exactly how premeditated this was and to the highest levels up to and including donald trump Everyone who was involved. Yeah. Anyway, we'd love your thoughts. 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. He's been here before. He feels at home in this segment. He will most likely be here again. <laughs> this time, he went on another podcast. I don't know the name of the host. Jesse, do you happen to know the name of I the host? I think it's Lex Friedman, but it might be something. His last name might be different. He He's like a... I think he's a professor at MIT or something, robotics or AI or something, something. Okay, so Joe Rogan. Not a guy I listen to. Joe Rogan went on this other show and had some thoughts about Alex Jones. I think you can revitalize and rehabilitate someone's image 
in a way that is pretty shocking. Look at the way people look at Alex Jones now, because Alex Jones has been on my podcast a few times. Yeah. How do they, which direction? The people that have watched those podcasts think he's hilarious. And they think that he definitely fucked up with that whole Sandy Hook thing. Um, But he's right more than he's wrong. And (laughs) he's not an evil guy. He's just a guy who's, had some psychotic breaks in his life. He's had some genuine mental health issues that he's addressed. He's had some serious bouts of alcoholism, some serious bouts of, you know, substance abuse, and they've contributed to some very poor thinking. But if you know the guy, if you get to know him, like I have, I've known him for more than 20 years. And if you know him on podcasts, you realize like he is genuinely trying to unearth some things that are genuinely disturbing for most people. Alex Jones, according to Joe Rogan, is right more than he's wrong. (laughs) Come on. I mean, it's laughable, but I also did a search. You were correct, Jesse. That is the show. That is the person of the podcast that he went on. And it, it didn't stop at Alex Jones. He he talked about, and he's kind of being praised for this, I guess, in a way, that he has refused to have Donald Trump on his show. By the way, I'm not a Trump supporter in any way, shape, or form. I've had the opportunity to have him on my show more than once. I've said no every time. I don't want to help him. I'm not interested in helping the, him. The, the, the night is still young. We'll see. If I have him on, the night is still young? Yeah. You think I'll have him on? I think you'll have him on. Really? Why do you think that? Because you'll have Putin on? (laughs) (laughs) And you're competitive as fuck. No. Uh, (laughs) I I think ultimately, um, I mean, you had, you've had a lot of people that I think you might, you may otherwise be skeptical. Would I have a good conversation, which I think is your metric. You don't care about politics. So can I have a good conversation? And I think you, you had um, like people, people like Kanye on, for example, and yeah. you had a great conversation with them. I think you, I, I think uh, yeah, Kanye is an artist, like, but Kanye doing well or not doing well, doesn't change the course of our country. Yeah. But you don't, do you really bear the responsibility of the course of our country based on a conversation? I think you can revitalize and rehabilitate someone's image in a way that is pretty shocking. So all this was for me is an admission that Joe Rogan knows the power that he wields and he knows that he has a prominent platform that when he puts someone on his show, he can quote unquote revitalize and rehabilitate them and then promote their views so that other people then believe those things. He co-signs bad ideas. I mean, this is what he does and that's why he's defending Alex Jones. That's why he appears with Alex Jones. That's why Alex Jones has been on his show multiple times because he believes that he's been right more than he's been wrong. This conspiracy theorist goofball who, by the way, for some reason talking about how he's had psychotic breaks and how he struggles with alcohol use, uh, is that supposed to like garner increased sympathy for someone who is targeting families that lost their babies in a mass shooting? I, I, I don't understand why he was referencing those things because those things are not the reasons 
that Alex Jones does the terrible things that yeah. he does. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's 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 bizarre to me that he's drawing a line with Donald Trump, but then because he went on to like pretty much just endorse Ron DeSantis, and this was previously this clip of him endorsing Ron DeSantis is actually. <laughs> Get ready for this when he had Gina Carano on his show. Yeah, so all this stuff is happening while we have a dead man as a president. Yeah, you know it's it's just. Um, are it's you throwing not, out any um, fun. any support towards anyone? Or are you going to hold off? And because uh, I know, didn't Elon Musk uh, come out recently for DeSantis? Yeah, yeah, I think Ron DeSantis would work as a good president. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, what he's done for Florida has been admirable. Look at, I feel like I'm doing breaking news right now. Yeah. That wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> I feel like what he did for Florida, a lot of people gave him a lot of grief, but ultimately he was correct. He was correct when it comes to like deaths. He was correct when it comes to protecting all vulnerable populations. He was correct in terms of distribution of monoclonal antibodies. And he was furious when the government tried to pull those. They were trying to pull very effective treatments. You know, he is not perfect. He's a human being. But um, what he's done is stand up for freedoms. And mm. people think that, that so this, this was some weird gaslighting shit that went on where people equated freedom and saying the word freedom to like right wing bigotry and hate is so strange. So he's going to distance himself from Donald Trump, yet pretty much endorse Ron DeSantis who is just a smarter version of Trump. And also, none of that shit he said was true about Ron DeSantis being right relative to COVID and protecting vulnerable lives. Well, let's let's get into some of what apparently Joe Rogan really supports about the freedom in Florida. Here's, here's the most recent news coming out of Florida. We follow a lot of Florida news, the Don't Say Gay Bill, all of these terrible things coming out about how they're refusing to allow teachers to teach reality. But he's also started, uh, Ron DeSantis, the Civics Literacy Excellence Initiative. And they have spent nearly $6 million on this initiative, which is to train public school teachers across the state on how to teach civics. Now, there's been some complaints from teachers that they've been quite alarmed. And this is according to reporting from the Tampa Bay Times. I'll just read from it here. Uh, The full dynamics of this initiative came into view when trainers told a teacher, that the nation's founders did not desire a strict separation of church and state, downplayed the role of the colonies and later the United States had in the history of slavery in America, and pushed a judicial theory favored by legal conservatives like DeSantis that requires people to interpret the Constitution as the framers intended it, not as a living, evolving document. And this is according to teachers who attended this training. So, he is indoctrinating children yeah. through this program, teaching teachers what they must teach children when they learn about civics, including that eh, the separation of church and state isn't a real thing that anyone cared about. Right. The United States wasn't super involved in slavery. Endorsed by Joe Rogan, noted liberal. Joe Rogan. Yeah. And also when he said dead man is president, he's talking about Biden. Right. So in that previous clip, when he says he doesn't want to have Trump on because uh, he doesn't want to change the course of our country. <laughs> right. What's he doing when he calls 
President Biden a dead man and talks about how Ron DeSantis would make a great president. We know what Joe Rogan's doing. Let's all stop pretending that we don't understand what he's doing. And we cannot allow him to get away with this anymore. So if you are a Joe Rogan fan, please stop. And please fucking stop. If you know someone who's listening to his show, Please tell them to stop. Didn't we have someone a few months ago like, oh, actually, Joe's pretty good and he does blah, 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 blah. Kind of like we've had with Sam Harris or fucking Richard or uh, Michael Shermer. Didn't we have anyway? I'm sure we have. Yeah. Fucking gross. Stupid. Um, No better place to stop than there. Asshole of today, Joe Rogan. Uh, We're not going to do the thing we normally do and try to do, which is to leave you on an up note with uh, taking care of biz. Because you know what? We just took care of biz playing these clips for you of the asshole of today, Joe Rogan. See what I did there? I did. That's good. good. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. We would invite you to go to uh, patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. Consider supporting the show, helping produce the show. We would appreciate it very much. We love you and we will see you next time on episode 811. Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been. I doubt.